Hey, hey, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the October 24th edition. I'm excited about today because I have two posts that I feel will resonate with you. One is about how you can hack your portion control, meaning are you eating what you need to eat or are you eating according to a preset pattern because that's familiar and comfortable. And the other pose is about a mental model, helping you frame things in your head so you can contextualize them better. That piece is titled, How You Can Hit Your Escape Velocity and Get Way, Way, Way Ahead of Square One. So, here we go. How you can hack portion control. Now, eating at home means eating familiar food, stuff you've been eating for years and years. There's a lot of nostalgia involved, and there is a lot of preset patterns involved, too. Let me tell you a story my dad used to tell me and my sister while we were growing up. He grew up in a household where food was rationed. They did not have unlimited amounts of food, meaning for breakfast, his quota was three idlis. It didn't matter if he was hungrier or not, with six mouths to feed, there was only so much food. And to him, it made sense. So breakfast meant three idlis. And, you know, life goes on. But things are very different in the ancestral village where my grandfather was uh, born. And they would go back pretty often. And during one of these times, well, you know, they sit down for breakfast. And my dad stops eating after the third idli. And when he is served more, he is stupefied. He doesn't understand. He can't process it. But he's done, right? Three idlis are done. But that's just a number due to circumstances in his house, which don't apply in the village because they have so much more. There's more food and this limit does not apply in that context. So when my dad first declined the extra serving, he did it out of habit, but he was forced to eat more, obviously, right? Like you're a little kid, you gotta eat more. And it took a while for my dad to recalibrate. I can, I can still remember his surprise that he communicated to us when this happened to him. Now, for most of us today, it's the other way around. While, like my dad, we all have a number set in our heads, his circumstances dictated a strict upper limit on the food 
he could eat at home. For most of us today, we are privileged that we have to deal with the issue of surplus. We have too much food. And that's where our patterns cripple us. Because let's say it's dosa for dinner or it's paratha. You already know the number of dosas you are going to eat. If it is rice for dinner, you're going to have some prasadam, rasam sadam, and some curd rice as well. Because 20 years of eating this way says so. Your appetite has been trained by you. Your stomach size has also been trained and developed over the years. So come dinner time, you know what and how much of your food is going in. That is a problem. If you're someone who wants to eat a bit more intuitively and slowly, well, here are some ideas, right? Why do these patterns happen? Well, logistics, of course. You want to eat dinner at a certain time, right? If there's four of you in the family and you guys are eating together, well, if all of you decide to eat when you're hungry, well, that makes things a little difficult. And how much food are you going to prepare? Well, it helps to have a ballpark. But in many conversations I've had with not just my students, but with my aunts and uncles, as I've seen a lot of them, uh, especially from the village, they used to be very active, but they're not so active anymore, but the way they eat hasn't changed. And likewise, my aunts and uncles living in the city, they all eat a lot more than they need. And a few of them have realized this. It's obvious to them that they don't need so much. Now, how do you come to your own realization? Well, that's the hard part. But more or less, we eat too many calories than we need. Okay? So for this, you need to listen to your eating signals. If you eat when you're hungry and you eat the quantity based on how hungry you are, that's brilliant, solves it. Let's say you had a heavy workout or you walked for two hours or whatever, right? You're probably going to have a bigger appetite as opposed to a day when you were stuck in meetings and in front of your laptop and you moved minimally. You definitely need lesser food that day. So eat when you're hungry and eat until satiety. These are two guidelines that can liberate you from your preset patterns of consuming the wrong amounts. Not just overconsumption, but just plain wrong for you. This is a little bit open-ended and it takes a little bit of skill to figure it out. So I'm gonna go a little further and give you two hacks to help you get here. First one is setting a timer. 
think of this as training wheels on your first bicycle. Set a timer on your phone for 20 minutes when you start eating your first helping. You don't have to keep looking at your timer or anything like that. Your goal is to finish approximately around the 20 minute mark. So just put the timer on and flip the phone down. Remember, these are just training wheels. You don't need training wheels for the rest of your life, but you'll need it for some time. In the beginning, maybe you eat, you know, in five minutes, and, you know, there's still 15 minutes to go. Well, it's okay. Wait. Wait the 15 minutes, and then go have your second helping. And slowly you get better. You get better, you finish you know, after the 15 minute mark. That's wonderful. You already figured out slow eating. Maybe you've started to chew your food more. Doesn't matter. Just wait for 20 minutes. And once you are taking 20 minutes, let's add one more guideline. How about you wait at least five minutes after finishing before you decide on your second helping. So let's put it together. The broad guidelines we start with are, number one, eat when you're hungry. Number two, eat until satiety. And because these are hard skills, how do we get to this intuitive place? We hack the meal with the following two guidelines. Set a 20 minute timer and eat. If you finish early, wait 20 minutes and wait a further five to 10 minutes before your second helping. These do take a bit of getting used to, but you'd be amazed by how your portions change and how some of your eating habits change when you follow these guidelines. After all, we are what we ate. Years and years of mild overeating can cause us to put on the kilos. Hacking our habits to chip away at it, game changer. Try this out for two weeks and let me know how it goes. Remember, think long-term, think habits. All right, on to the three quotes. The first one comes from Albert Einstein. The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them, end quote. We're not the same person we were one year ago. Definitely not the same person we were 10 years ago. And yet, many times, we behave as if we were, right? And... When we solve a problem facing us, we must grow, we must change, we must evolve before we can even crack that problem. If we are in the same place, we don't have the skill set required to solve the problem. We need to level up before we can solve it. The second quote by director Jim Jarmusch, 
Nothing is original. Steal from anywhere that resonates with inspiration or fuels your imagination. Devour old films, new films, music, books, paintings, photographs, poems, dreams, random conversations, architecture, bridges, street signs, trees, clouds, bodies of water, light and shadows. Select only things to steal from that speak directly to your soul. If you do this, your work and theft will be authentic. Authenticity is invaluable. Originality is non-existent. And don't bother concealing your thievery. Celebrate it if you feel like it, end quote. Back in my younger days, whenever I get an idea, I'd be absolutely convinced of two things. One, this was a revolutionary idea, the bestest idea ever. And two, it was original. Nobody out there has the brains to come close to this thought. And I'd inevitably be disappointed when I realized somebody had the idea, somebody executed it, and somebody had the idea way better described than I could ever imagine or hope to. Today, whenever I get an idea, I doodle, I scribble all around it, come up and just essentially vomit everything I have. Doesn't have to make sense. Uh, my wife puts up with my random ramblings and uh, just nods and doesn't even comment. Once I'm done with all of this, a day or two later, I scour the internet. I scour the internet for other people who've had my idea. And then I see what they've done with it. Because ideas are mostly useless. It only matters what you do with them. What I've learned is just because someone else has already thought of your idea, well, first up, it obviously is not your idea, but it still is your idea. Just because somebody's thought of it doesn't mean anything. They have not thought of it your way. So what is your way? Is there a way you can execute your idea and take it somewhere? Originality is non-existent. Authenticity is invaluable. Dream and do something with your idea. And the final quote by one of my favorite authors, Derek Sivers, whatever excites you, go do it. Whatever drains you, stop doing it. End quote. In addition to doing the occasional time log, I've recently started doing energy logs. I still haven't figured out how to do it well, but I think a combination of this is going to be useful for me. Because there are some days when I feel great and some days when I feel beat up and drained. 
some days when my brain does not fire at all and I just want to vegetate. And some days when I cannot stop reading and or writing thoughts and ideas. So it's got something to do with, you know, energy balance, something to do with what excites me versus what drains me. And logging is the only way I think I can figure it out. Well, that's that for the quotes. The final piece, let's get on with escape velocity. You lose five kilos, you've started the year on a roll, freshly motivated and rejuvenated from taking some time off, you've settled your thoughts, you've realized this is what you wanna do. This is the time when you nail things. And a few months later, you find yourself in the same old place, back to square one. Why the fudge does this keep happening to you? And then with these Facebook and Google memories or whatever, you look at old photos or training videos from about five years ago, and you realize, oh sheesh, I was in pretty good shape then. So maybe square one today is uh, more like square minus three. What the fudge and fudge? This situation is getting worse. When you look at your diets, your bursts of motivation within this narrow time frame, say four to 12 weeks, you've almost always done a great job. You've knocked it out of the park. But when you zoom out and look at a six to 12 month window, let's not even get into the years, right? A six to 12 month window when you zoom out, it makes for some terribly unflattering viewing. Now maybe fat loss is not what you've been grappling with. I always use fat loss as the example because that's what the vast majority grapples with, including me. Right, when we start, most of us want fat loss. Until we get past square one, you know, that, that inevitably keeps coming back in our heads. But it can be anything. Maybe you've been trying to put on a few kilos of muscle. Maybe you've been trying to kick your sugar habit or your alcohol habit. Maybe just do a lot less of this and a lot more of that as opposed to I'm never going to do that again. Whichever way you spin it, zoom in, great. Zoom out, terrible. Why? How? Can you get out of this square one? When do you win this game? Or is this going to be a perennial game of snakes and ladders? Making some progress and then sliding back down. If that's the game, do you just make peace with it? Well, to help you understand this, I want to introduce the mental model of escape velocity. For a space shuttle, you know, a rocket ship to leave the Earth, it needs to create a tremendous amount of energy in a rather short duration. The Earth, as you know, has gravity. To escape the Earth's gravity, a rocket needs to 
travel rather fast. The escape velocity of the Earth is calculated as little more than 11 kilometers per second, meaning you can go from Delhi to New York in about a minute and 40 seconds. What the heck does escape velocity matter? Well, I think it matters because this is the escape velocity for Earth. For a larger planet like Jupiter, the escape velocity is almost five and a half times, meaning the speed required to launch a rocket ship off of Jupiter, well, that speed will get you from Delhi to New York in under 20 seconds. Stay calm, I'll get to my point and why this mental model is useful for you. You are what you ate, as Coach Dan John says. You're not in your present condition because of what happened yesterday or you know the party last weekend or whatever. It's everything you've been doing or not doing for a much longer time. Zoom out. Look at the last five, 10, or 20 years. You are your habits. You are what you ate. And the reason you keep getting pulled back is that you're not able to hit escape velocity. People who you see pull this off successfully, well, they've hit escape velocity. Either the size of their baggage that they've accumulated over the years, that is their gravity that they need to overcome, might have been lesser. Or they've just been putting in a lot more effort for a lot longer than you have and you just don't know it. It's irrelevant. Other people are irrelevant. What matters is only you and the gravitational pull you are trying to escape and thus your escape velocity. Now for a rocket ship, that escape velocity is you know, rather crazy, especially when you compare to what speed a car or even a plane moves at as opposed to that. Trying to undo years of subpar habits, years of baggage, years of moving into the negative space, it has a huge cost. And all of you want to hit escape velocity in a few weeks, just blast off and leave the earth. But escape velocity is extremely, extremely high. It's way higher than you think. We are used to traveling in a car, and so we might think a oh, Formula One car is freaking fast, which it is, absolutely. You know, travels, they do everything at three times the speed that you or I do that, if not more. But still, 300 kilometers per hour versus 11 kilometers a second. It's crazy. They're not even close. So 
when we try to hit escape velocity, we might be traveling as fast as a Formula One car, which is pretty fast compared to our normal pace. But we are still about 20, 30 times lesser than our escape velocity. So we lose these five kilos, you know, with our six week diet or, you know, one month of no sugar, or maybe we even go 12 weeks, whatever. But you're not out of the Earth's gravitational pull. You think you are because you've lost five kilos, you made a significant dent, you made great progress, and you most definitely have. But you've not hit escape velocity. Because once you hit escape velocity, you need so much lesser energy and power to keep going. A rocket ship spends 90 plus percent of its fuel in those first few seconds or minutes and it consumes less to travel all the way across to the moon and back. Isn't that nuts? Now please remember, this is a mental model. This is a metaphor. It does not translate 100%. So don't take it literally. Take it metaphorically. You truly only escape when you change your habits. And this happens naturally. It happens inevitably as you get rid of your baggage and reduce the gravitational pull. You cannot replicate all of your current habits, the ones that are keeping you on square one, and expect to not fall back down to earth. It will happen. The good thing is it won't once you hit escape velocity because your habits will be vastly improved. You will still have your beer, you will still eat your ice cream, but it'll be different. Okay, it's hard to explain, but it will be. Now, where does this leave you then? You definitely need a short-term burst. In your head, you think it's a rocket launch, but it's more like a Formula One car. So, it's not enough to hit escape velocity. We just have to keep at it for longer, much longer. But you cannot keep going at that speed because it's unsustainable. So we do need to do it for longer duration than we think and maybe for faster speeds than average. So to milk this example even more, a car travels at 60 kilometers per hour, a Formula One car at 300, you can do 300 for a few hours of the race. So you can eat a lot better for a few weeks. We're still way lesser than the escape velocity required. So we gotta cumulatively get there. You gotta constantly keep at it. So you gotta travel at 100 kilometers per hour for a long time, sometimes at 200, sometimes at 300, and sometimes at 11,000, 
and it'll take you quite a while. But you keep making forward progress. Some weeks you blast off, some weeks you inch ahead. And a couple of times you will slip up. But before the gravity sucks you back down, you inch ahead or you blast off. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So how does this change you, your thinking for the next year? For the next month? For the next week? Think about escape velocity. Think about baggage. Are you trying to escape the Earth? Are you trying to escape Mercury? Are you trying to escape Jupiter? But escape velocity is vital. And once you inevitably hit escape velocity, things are way easier. This is why you keep coming back to square one. This is why you keep losing the same five kilos again. You will have different problems and different challenges once you hit escape velocity. It's not smooth sailing and inevitable goal completion or anything. But you need to get out of this current game. You need to get out of flying up and then falling back down. Flying up and falling back down. Escape the Earth's gravitational pull. You can do this. Find your escape velocity. And that's that, folks. Thanks for listening. And do share. This is Coach AA signing off. I'll see you next week. Bye.